Psalm 1 tonight. Father, I so want to preach this message in a way that most pleases you. You've given us a wonderful time of worship thus far. Please, my Father, don't let me distract from it. Oh, God, don't let me mess it up. Bless your word and move me out of the way any way you need to. And may your word find good ground tonight. I desperately need revival. I believe your people desire revival. Do something unusual in our midst as you've already begun to do tonight. And we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. We've had our anchored lives and yielded students combined Sunday school class for a number of weeks now. And we've been uh, working through some things that are specific All right, people, y'all got tissues everywhere until I need one. (laughs) Bless your heart. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, appreciate that. Well, we've been working through some things that are specific to our young people and their parents and where they are. And something we've been making much of here lately, as well as in the school, and rightly so, is the subject of associations. Wow, what a crowd's in here tonight. Oh, he's doing something, isn't he? Tonight I felt led to bring a message, and there's going to be some overlap from our Sunday school lesson this morning, and that's okay. But I felt led to bring a message tonight on the subject of friendship. It's been rightly said that you are will soon become those with whom you associate. Let me say that again. You are or will soon become those with whom you associate. Who did that originate with? I really don't know, but it doesn't matter. It's true. All my life, I've heard this phrase, and I've sounded the refrain myself. Our young people could finish it with no problem. Show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. Our friendships matter. They matter. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. And with this in mind, I want to preach a message tonight entitled, The Fundamentals of Friendship. The Fundamentals of Friendship. We begin, first of all, with the elements of friendship. We do well to distinguish between friendship and other relationships. When I say friendship, I don't mean just coworkers, colleagues, 
classmates, associates, acquaintances, or even family. You know, it's entirely possible for you to have family members with whom you're not friends. Some of us are thinking of some right now. <laughs> now, your friends could also be your coworkers, your colleagues, and so forth. That's possible. But real friendships and the friendships that we're talking about tonight, whether they're positive or negative, are made up of three elements. There's three elements to an actual honest-to-goodness friendship. Number one, the element of time. The element of time. How much willful time you spend with a person. And when I say willful time, I mean you're not obligated to be with them. You know, every day at our school, these kids spend seven hours a day with one another. Seven, six, something like that. Okay? But it's not willful. I mean, every once in a while you run into a kid that, you know, loves being at school, but most kids would rather be doing something else. It's not willful. Many of you work with people and spend more time with people at work than you do your family, but that's not willful either. I'm talking about the people that you look for ways to spend time with them. I'm talking about people that it is planned and desired. This is true positively. Proverbs 13.20, he that walketh with wise men shall be wise. If you're walking with somebody, that implies you're spending time with them. It goes on to say the negative, though. But a companion of fools shall be, does anybody know what? Destroyed. By the way, let me just give you something, just a general recommendation. This is not meant to say that if you don't do this, you're a lesser Christian. If you do this, you'll be a better Christian. But I have personally found great profit in dedicating time every day to reading the proverb of the day. I've read through Proverbs who knows how many times. Like like today is the, the 26th. This morning I read Proverbs 26. There's 31 Proverbs, chapters in Proverbs, and, and so, you know, six months out of the year, you can cover the whole book. There is so much in the book of Proverbs about our friends. Absorb it. Immerse yourself in it. I'm a big fan of reading through Proverbs every month. Real friendships involve time, and that's true positively, but as we've seen, it also is involved negatively. A companion of fools shall be destroyed. Back to that first verse. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. By the end of it, your time is kept right there with the scornful. Time. So if you're evaluating your friendships, the first thing you look at is, Who do I spend the most time with? Number two, affection. How much does that person mean to me and how much do I mean to that person? Now, that's meant to be pretty broad because you understand there's different types of affection. There's different types of love and different strengths of love, and some are based in godly things and some aren't. So the general word affection, I think, is useful here. 
There are people that we spend a lot of time with, but if we're honest, there's not a great deal of affection there. Have you ever worked with somebody and you found out they got transferred or fired and in your heart you're like, good. <laughs> you know. <laughs> but these are people that have managed to get some measure of your heart. How much does that person mean to you? The Bible says in Proverbs 17, 17, a friend loveth at all times. And a brother is born for adversity. So the first element is time. The second element is affection. The third element is influence. You see, time produces affection, and then affection produces Influence And before long, the people for whom you have affection start influencing your decisions. I found this to be true in my own life. Brother Davies is my co-worker. He's my colleague, but he happens also to be a very dear friend. And because of the affection that I have for him, there have been many times that he has swayed my decisions. There have been times that I have faced a situation in which I was more like Saul with a javelin in my hand, but he began to play his harp. And I laid it down. He said, well, I've never seen you like that. He does his job well. But over time, people that we have affection for begin to influence us. Now, I want you to remember these three elements because they're going to pop up throughout this message. Time, affection, and influence. Y'all with me so far? Time, affection, and influence. Influence is significant, significant positively. How much influence that person has over your thinking. It certainly can be a positive thing. If you have godly friendships, what's the Bible say? Proverbs 27, 17. Iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. Have you ever heard the athletic idea that we sometimes play at the level of our competition? And when you play people that are better, it makes you better? I I found that true in golf. Back when I used to play golf, I don't play it at all anymore. I have a nice set of clubs, and for some reason, I just bought a new pair of golf, golf shoes. No idea why. I have no idea when I'm ever going to use them, but I saw them, I liked them, and I bought them. Okay? I guess I'm hoping that one day I'll be able to play again. When I do, I'll be ready, and I'll blow the dust off of those shoes, and I'll put them on. But I found that when I played golf with people that were better than me, it didn't make me a great golfer, but it made me a little bit better. The same is true spiritually and emotionally and psychologically. We tend to rise to the level of the people that we're around, but we also can tend to lower to the level of the people we're around too. See, it's also true negatively. We touched this morning in Sunday school on a man named Amnon. Now, Amnon was no upstanding moral person in his own right. Amnon was one of the sons of David. Amnon was the half-brother to Absalom, and he had a half-sister named Tamar. And he had an unholy attraction to his half-sister. Now, that's no good. 
But up to the point that we read in First Samuel chapter th- or Second Samuel thirteen two, up to that point, everything had been self-contained. Amnon had this desire, but it hadn't gone anywhere. Nothing had happened with it. So what what turned this into a tragedy? Verse three. But Amnon had a friend whose name was Jonadab, the son of Shimea, David's brother. And Jonadab was a very subtle man. What started off as a wrong desire became a wrong action because Amnon had a bad friend who encouraged him to do wrong and helped him formulate how to do it. By the way, it cost Amnon his life. It cost Tamar her dignity, and it cost Amnon his life. So if you find that you have a negative influence in your life, what do you do? There's only one way to deal with a negative influence, and it's this. Cut it off. And yet so many Christians are like Neville Chamberlain, aren't they? If you know your history, you know that Neville Chamberlain viewed Hitler as a curious fellow, but thought that he could negotiate with Hitler and keep him contained, and he would have what in our time? Peace in our time. What did he find out? Hitler was a cancer. The only thing you can do with people like Hitler is get rid of them. Can I tell you, the only thing you can do with sin is get rid of it. There's no containing it. There's no appeasement. Winston Churchill said, appeasement is feeding the alligator hoping it'll eat you last. That's a good quote, isn't it? Churchill wasn't a saved man, but I like him. You say, well, I've got some bad influences in my life. What do I do? How do I distance myself from them? You've got to end the relationship. Proverbs 20, verse 10. Cast out the scorner, and contention shall go out. Yea, strife and reproach shall cease. Proverbs twenty two twenty four. Make no friendship with an angry man. And with a furious man, thou shalt not go. Proverbs 14, 7. Go from the presence of a foolish man when thou perceivest not in him the lips of knowledge. See, we, we, we try to sugarcoat this thing and say, oh, but I want to reach people for Christ. Of course we want to reach people for Christ. But you do that from a position of sanctified love using the scriptures to try and draw them to the Savior. But when you get down with them in a prolonged association, you will become like them in the world, but not of the world. There's no such thing as a profitable evangelistic association or relationship. I'm going to date this girl because I want to win her to Jesus. It's probably not going to work. And when it does, it's an exception, not the rule. I want my kids to be friends with everybody because I want them to shine the light of Jesus. Let me tell you what's going to happen. Your friends are going to, the friends are going to impact your kid. Right. 
It is a constant balancing act in this school. We want to reach everybody. We want to help kids. We want to see them come to Jesus. But there comes a point that the scorner has to be cast out. The only way to deal with a negative influence is to cut it off. Would you remember that? Because that's going to come up again. Because right now, this message has been pretty narrowly defined as being for young people. But this is where it broadens. You see, these are the elements of friendship. Time, affection, and influence. Can you remember that? Time, affection, and influence. Now let's look at some errors regarding friendship. Errors regarding friendship, and I think that there's some consistent tendencies when you preach a message like this, and they can be summed up in two prominent errors. There are people that will be listening to this message, whether here or online, and they will fall into one of two camps if they're in error. The first one is this, when we limit the audience to young people. You hear a message like this, yep, hope my kid's listening. My kid needs this message. No, you need this message. We're guilty of it, aren't we? We want our kids to do right. Do, do as I say, but don't, don't worry about how I do it. But can I tell you something? Who your friends are matter just as much as who your kids' friends are. And you are not going to have any success helping your kids have the right kind of friends if your friends are sorry. I'm plowing the rows for you next week, Robert. Well, this Robert, but you too. <laughs> See, he's teaching, he's teaching a worse lesson in Sunday school next week. But you know what? You're in too. You get to teach it too, brother. <laughs> it is critical that young people get a message like this. But so many of them have parents who have the wrong friends in their lives, and then we wonder why the kids aren't getting the message. But let me tell you, man, I saw that on TV. Did you see that the other day? And he said that, and I said, whoa, man, I can't believe he said that. Boy, wasn't that something? I had to ask the Lord forgive me for that. That was something. Hey, are you talking to that kid? I don't like you talking to that kid. What is that? Can I give you the Greek word for it? Hippocratos. You know what the English transliteration of that is? Hypocrisy. Doesn't matter who my friends are, but your friends better be who I approve of. Ooh. The first error is when we limit the audience to young people. I hope these kids get this message. I hope the parents get the message. I hope the grandparents get the message. I hope the aunts and uncles get the message. And I hope I get the message. Now, this next one, you're going to have to follow me a little bit, okay? The first error is when we limit the audience to young people. But the second error is when we limit the application to people. What in the world does that mean? We talk about friendships, and our mind automatically goes to the people in our lives. But can I tell you, there's some people that the best friend they have isn't human. 
What? Now remember, what are the elements of friendship? Time, affection. Come on, Andy. I'm having a moment. Influence. I've preached it so many times in my head. Time, affection, and influence. Do you not understand that we have the potential to invest too much time, too much affection, and be influenced by much more than just people? Some of us, our best friend is our culture. Why? Because we invest all kind of time and affection in it, and we're influenced by it. Some of us, our best friend is our pastime. Think about it. Time, affection, and influence. A lot of hunters in here. I'm not against hunting. I'm for it. My soul, we're having a hunter education class here. But do you understand there's some people, hunting's a better friend to them than their spouse. Because it gets all their time and all their affection and influences them in every way. Am I telling the truth? Entertainment. Politics. There's some people that are so wrapped up in politics, they forget anybody else lives on the planet because it gets all their time and their affection, and it influences them. I'm okay so far. I don't know how many of this applies to, but some people, their best friend is a game controller. I get it. Some people need that to decompress, and I'm not against having video games. I have got a cutting-edge video game in my home. It's called a Wii. Say, so, Wait a minute. That's like the 90s. Yep. It works fine for us. We didn't move on. Some of you have the Xbox 47 or whatever it's up to. PlayStation 32. I don't know. what. I don't know. And it's fine to use that to decompress as long as you're playing games that aren't anti-Christian, and they do exist, by the way. But I know of marriages that are falling apart because Dad won't sit the game controller down. The good folks at Microsoft are more of a friend than anybody else is to them. How about social media? You want to talk about something that influences people? Can I remind you, the personalities on social media are called influencers. And time, is anybody going to argue that we don't spend too much time on social media? And we love it. It has our affections. When we wake up in the morning, the first thing we have to see is what we missed on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. What did I miss? Hobbies. Here's one. This one may throw you off. If I'm not careful, my ministry can become a greater friend to me than the one for whom I minister. 
we can give so much time to ministry, so much affection for ministry, so much influence from ministry that God isn't anywhere near it. But if I had to point to one thing that I think has become everybody's best friend, may I for a second? I won't slam it or anything. Thank you. Be these. Is it a sin to have a smartphone? No. Can how we handle it become a sin? Yeah. When somebody gets the shakes, when they can't find their phone, there's a problem. Thank you. Last week, last week, last year, last summer, we uh, took two weeks. We went to, through, through Pennsylvania, up to western New York. We saw Niagara Falls. We worked our way over to Maine. We spent a week at a cabin in Maine, and then we spent the, other, the rest of the time working our way down through New England, saw Boston and New Hampshire, Rhode Island. took about 20 minutes. Um, it's tiny. Um, do you know what my wife asked of me on that trip? Would you please just leave your phone alone? And we, boy, we can justify it, can't we? Well, i got to know what's going on. Somebody might need to get in touch with me. Can I tell you something? If something's on fire bad enough, they'll find you. But we are so addicted that there are people that they couldn't carry on a conversation with a person, friend or not, because all they know how to do is be keyboard warriors with their thumbs. Again, I'm not saying it's a sin to have a phone. It's coming close for a four-year-old to have a smartphone, but it, it, I'm not saying it's a sin. But if we're using the standard of time, affection, and influence, there's a whole lot of us that our, our phones are way more of a friend to us than they should be. I had to borrow hers because I make a point usually not to bring my phone in here. Why? Because I will be tempted to check it. I'm getting to where I need to take this off. Every time it buzzes, just... We've got to be careful that we don't limit this application to just people. You say, well, Andy, I think that's a bit of a stretch. I, I think the idea that these objects could become too important to us, I don't, I don't know that I go along with that. Okay, go to 2 Kings 18. 2 Kings 18. Verse number 1. came to pass in the third year of Hoshea, son of Elah, king of Israel, that Hezekiah, the son of Ahaz, king of Judah, began to reign. Twenty and five years old was he when he began to reign. He reigned twenty and nine years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Abai, the daughter of Zechariah. He did that which was, right, which was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that David his father did. He removed the high places 
and break the images and cut down the groves and break in pieces the brazen serpent that Moses had made. Mm. For unto those days the children of Israel did burn incense to it, and he called it Nehushtan. What was the brazen serpent? It started out a very good thing. A very useful thing if you got bit by a fiery serpent. It was a picture of the Lord Jesus. And God used it as an object of healing. But what happened over time? They started worshiping the dumb thing. It stopped being useful and became an idol. Well, that sounds like phones, doesn't it? Started out very useful, became an idol. He called it Nehushtan. You know what Nehushtan means? A brass thing. That's the brazen servant. No, it's not. It's just a brass. It's a piece of brass. It means nothing. Our errors regarding friendship is when we limit the audience to young people. All of us need to watch who our friends are. But then when we limit the application to people, we need to understand that anything can take the place of good, godly friendship. Anything. Go to Proverbs 18 with me, will you? So that brings us to number three. the greatest example of friendship. If you want a template, if you want a pattern to look to, I'm going to give you the greatest example of friendship. We've seen the elements of friendship and errors regarding friendship, the greatest example of friendship, Proverbs 18, verse 24. A man that hath friends must show himself friendly. There's a lot being said there, and I don't have the time. But focus on this. There is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Who best shows that friend that sticketh closer than a brother? His name is Jesus. He is not your pal. He is not your chum. He is not your buddy, and God forbid, he is not your homeboy. I've seen t-shirts that say that. But he is the dearest friend you'll ever have. Think on the elements. The elements of real friendship, first of all, is time. How much time does he spend with you? Hebrews 13, 5, for he hath said, I will... Never leave thee nor forsake thee. Now, here's the question we've got to ask ourselves. How much time do you spend with him? What about affection? (laughs) Does anybody want to question how much he loves you? As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye 
and my love. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man give his life for his who? His friends. Time, affection, He loves you. How much do you love him? Influence. There's so much that influences us as Christians, isn't it? If we're not careful, the world influences us. The culture influences us. False friends influence us. But how much does Jesus intend to influence us? Colossians chapter 1 verse 17 says, And he, Jesus, is before all things, and by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body of the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. What does that mean? There should be no one or no thing that has more influence in your life than Jesus Christ as he's revealed in his word. And yet right now, there are Christians, people that once cried out aloud for the things of God that support all kinds of causes that are wrong. Why? They've been influenced by someone or something other than the Word of God. We just read that. So what? What do we take from this, Andy? Remember, we don't want to make the mistakes of limiting this to young people or limiting it to people. We have a responsibility tonight using the mirror of God's word to look at our friendships. Who or what occupies the most time? Who or what commands the most affection? Who or what wields the most influence? And if the answer to those three is anything but Christ supremely, godly friends, godly influences then we've got some work to do. Parents, don't even bother trying to fix this in the lives of your kids until you take an honest look at your own. And kids, young people, please, don't give your parents a hard time. If they're trying to help you have the right friends, thank God for that. 
The worst situations are not those in which a kid is encouraged to do wrong by their parents. So that's, that's a rare thing, although it does happen, sadly. The worst situations are when parents and children alike are ambivalent. They don't care. What happens, happens. And at the end of it all, heartache, destruction. Here's what I'm asking God for me. Help me to surround myself with godly people, godly things, and help me to be that to others. And then, more than anything, may Jesus always be my very best friend.